Hello listeners, Jeff here, and this is our final pubcast of 2023, our Christmas edition. And for a change, Paul and I were having a glass of mulled wine in a local pub. Well, I say for a change, but actually, it's quite a tradition really, isn't it? Or is it a ritual? Anyway, that's what we got to talking about. Rituals, traditions, in the sense of Christmas and agile and work and mindset and personal change. Quite an interesting conversation, really. We hope you enjoy it and have a great Christmas and a happy, happy new year. Make sure you listen to the end, though, for another ritual of ours. Or is it a tradition? Anyway, Merry Christmas from the Agile Pubcast. Christmas. Merry Christmas. It's that time of year. It's a wonderful time of year. Yes. Most, most wonderful time of the year. The only time of the year would I be drinking this kind of drink. I must admit, it wouldn't be my first choice. But tell us what it is, Jeff. We're both drinking the same thing. Yeah, mulled wine. Mulled wine. It is that time of year, isn't it? So warm <laughs> red wine with spices in. Yes. I think Christmas. is essentially what it is. Glühwein, our, our German counterparts would call it. Were they? Glühwein. Glühwein. Yeah, it's just, it's one of those things you only have at this time of year. Yes. But we seem to have every year at this time of year. Weird, isn't it? Well, it's just a, is it a tradition? Is it a ritual? Is it, is, what's the difference? I'm not sure. Yeah, true. Well, let's just, where are, where are we first? Tell us, tell, oh, tell the listeners where we are before we um, answer. We're in a pub that I don't think anybody will have ever gone to, and perhaps none of our listeners ever will. <laughs> um, it's called the Hatherley. Okay. It's my local uh, from when I was young, but also now, because I'm back where I lived when I was younger. It's been redone quite a few times, so right. it's, it's looking a bit more new and fresh. Okay, so it's a new look of paint. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, you know, when I was younger, you could get chicken in a basket. <laughs> now you can get gammon, egg and chips. Okay. So they've, they've, they've stepped up the menu. Yeah. But they've got a good selection of beer. They've got a good choice here. Yeah. Um, so if we weren't drinking Glühwein... <coughs> if I it wasn't Christmas, we might be having something else. Mm. But yeah, it's... it's um, I don't know. It's, see, I, I've, I've had a few mulled ciders, which again... But I drink cider all year round. Is that see. just warm or does it have spice in it? It does have a kind of a, a few spices in it to yeah. make it a, a little bit more Christmassy, I think. Well, certainly. Or, or is it is it subconscious? Is it something which we makes us feel Christmassy just because it is, it's got that name or it's got that, that smell? So there's an association, isn't there, I think? You know, you, when you have that drink... I think if you had if you had mulled wine in July, apart from the fact that it would be warm, <laughs> it it wouldn't fail. It, it couldn't fail to make you think of Christmas no. because it has such a strong association. And if you've got positive memories and feelings of Christmas, then that's that's a that's a powerful thing. The smell of it, the taste of it, just brings back those memories and those feelings. Yeah, but I don't, I think the smell is not for me. I don't think it's necessary because I don't think my parents used to maybe they did I can't, just can't remember but most of my memories are associated with, with Christmas being a child um, and it's probably fair to say maybe this is a safe point to say if you, if you are listening to our podcast with small children 
maybe you shouldn't at this point <laughs> um, um, for a risk of spoiler alerts but it's something I I don't think my parents drank it I don't think that I'll have to ask them but it's just the I think it's the blend of the smells mm. smells plural um, like cinnamon the, the kind of um, what else cloves. cloves in it there's uh, orange there's fruit there's all, all those that concoction of of sweetness mm. Christmas sweetness isn't it mm. um, yeah but I think it's you walk into a house of someone's drinking or, or making mulled wine or you walk into a shop a cafe in, in December and they're drinking what they're making they, those smells mm. you, it makes you feel like makes it feel like Christmas well we smelled it when we came in because it's in a big I don't know what would you call it vat like, yeah, cauldron big, yeah, on the bar uh, and it, it's, it, it permeates the air and it's a different smell and it, it reminds you of stuff but the anticipation I think is a big part of ritual so I said is ritual different to tradition I think it is I don't know the technical dif- difference but uh, I've got a weird I find it weird but if I'm eating my dinner mm-hmm. and I think I'm thirsty mm-hmm. and I pour myself some water out of the jug into my glass mm-hmm. I often actually don't get around to drinking it but the act of pouring the, the water into the glass to some degree quenches my thirst Okay, it's part of the ritual and if you take longer to open up a bar of chocolate mm. and lay it out and really you know, smell it and break it up gently into, into small pieces that amplifies the experience it's a ritual associated with it um, so I think there probably is a difference between ritual and tradition but I think of rituals when, when, when I hear rituals these days I think of agile rituals right and what would you say an agile ritual is well like a daily, daily stand up is a ritual it's something okay. that happens consciously repeatedly you know almost well I say consciously I think rituals become so embedded that they almost become unconscious but I think for me the power of ritual really comes from its conscious application and also I would say a ritual is something a little bit more tailored and specific and almost I want to use the word private something that's unique more unique to that group so I wouldn't say that my rituals would be the same as your rituals but yeah a daily scrum is quite a standard we can have communal rituals yeah but a daily scrum is something that's so widely used yeah for me I don't know I, I'd say that I would I probably wouldn't associate the word ritual with, with the daily scrum or, or retrospective or, or the the formalities of a of, of the scrum framework I don't think let's just pause the recording for a second you won't notice this listeners okay so we're back <laughs> and I've looked up the definition of ritual an action that a person or group does repeatedly following a similar pattern or script in which they've imbued symbolism and meaning mm. so I think uh, well I think the daily scrum was, was certainly intended to be a ritual yeah retrospectives you know, same time same place same point in the, the calendar you know, same people they can be overdone but I think there's are you following a script it says here isn't it a pattern or script so the three questions of the daily scrum that's yeah. sort of ritualistic which and, it, and it's probably cha- it has changed it's loosened hasn't it over the years mm. about the tightness of those questions have now disappeared symbolism 
That's an interesting one. Well, I suppose symbolism for me is it a reminder of, of something. So, like we talked about mulled wine at Christmas, that you, that's, that symbolises Christmas. Yes. So, the, the um, my kids um, who would put out uh, carrots and mince pies on Christmas Eve yeah. is a symbol of Christmas. It's a ritual and it reminds them of Christmas. My son's got some weird ones. So he would say, Dad, on Christmas Day, can you make me, can we have, um, a, can I have a bacon and egg sandwich? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so you, see, that's a thing in our house. It's got, but it's, although it's not Christmassy, it's, it's for him, it symbolises, it reminds him that that's what we do. Mm. It's, that's Christmas Day. So I think they can be, um, they can, they can remind you and they can, they can, that, that's, that symbolism, that, that re- repetition mm. can be quite reassuring. Sometimes. Christmas is a huge time for rituals and you're right, it's reassuring. Reassurance is a, it's a big, big thing I've come across this year, more than anything, I think, more than ever. Especially in a, in a volatile, uncertain, what's the, the, the C and the A, Ambiguous. in a VUCA world that we live yeah. in, I think we need that little bit of um, stability and that little bit of reassurance that things can be can can be simpler yeah and it I think that that makes it makes dealing with that inevitable uncertainty complexity and so on more manageable more tolerable it it reduces our stress levels it it makes us feel more comfortable but also for me a ritual is a great way of establishing a habit so when people I'm coaching for example Mm either they want to get out of certain habits, these could be physical habits or thought patterns, or they want to establish some new, more helpful ones. Putting in place some rituals can help in the short term while you're trying to establish habits. Uh, It could be, and, and when it comes to adopting habits and establishing rituals, attaching ones, new ones to existing ones is a, is a really powerful tool. Yeah. Is it, I was just thinking something then, so I was thinking about a ritual of the, it's become habit ritual of exercise, right? So mm-hmm. I find it quite hard that it's, the, the definition there was around a group. But you're saying that you can have individuals, obviously can mm-hmm. still have rituals. Mm-hmm. I wonder if, if, a, if a ritual becomes firmer, maybe it's just for me, because I, for instance, if I try to get into a habit of running twice a week, but I generally run with two other people. And if two of those people aren't going, I find it harder to stick to that ritual. Mm. But if they if they if they do it, then we tends to tends to happen. It's easier mm. to follow a ritual for me if there's other people that are following the same ritual. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I think I think and I think. Well, I, I used to quote. I think it was the Oxford University rowing team. Who, they, they did a study on the amount of pain that people could tolerate when training alone okay. and when training with other people. Right. And you could, you could tolerate a lot more pain when working and training with other people. Mm. You, could, you could row for longer and faster and harder and so on. And there's that, you've added an extra dimension, haven't you, of peer accountability. Yeah. There's an interesting cut-off point there of if you get past a certain number, you actually feel less compelled less committed to the group because mm. you're just one of 20 mm. um, we've got a since I had my knee up earlier this year I've got back to playing football right. only yeah, sort of friendly not, not important yeah. but um, some of them take it very competitively and it's part of a group and I don't, I don't even know how big this group is yeah. every week it's different people 
yeah. same place, same time. Yeah. A couple of people who you know, bring the balls and the bibs and things. But every, there's this big WhatsApp group, and so who's in this week? And it's, everyone's replies in or out, in or out, in or out. And you don't know who's going to be there until you get there. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a weird, weird thing. But the, you know, there's rituals associated with with almost everything that sticks. I think if mm. you want something to stick, you need some rituals. Mm. And I think if you want to get more out of something, you need rituals, because otherwise it just becomes mindless. Mm. Not in a bad way, but in a, I'm not really appreciating it kind of way. Yeah. You know, you, if, you, if you really concentrate on a drive, I'm, I'm going to consciously think about where I go, what I do, and look at the scenery and enjoy it. You get a lot more out of it, you just get in your car and go from A to B. Yeah, I wonder how, many, how long does it take for something to become sticky, to become embedded, as a, for it to become a ritual? Mm. How many times do you have to repeat it? Is it when it when it becomes more unconscious? Yeah, I think so. So we do almost do it without without the need to justify it or without the need to to declare it. So here's um, we might be going down a rabbit hole here. You might have to edit this, <laughs> but I've recently changed a ritual. Mm -hmm. So I have some some medication that I take, and I used to take it first thing in the morning. Right. And whether you take you know, taking vitamins or something. It's been, I think I'm pretty sure I, I saw a study that shed, said it's not the most effective thing to take one vitamin tablet first thing. Like, really, you should be taking it on a more regular basis throughout the day, but it's just too difficult to factor into your day. So, we'll take the inefficiency. If you, if you can get to a habit of taking it first thing in the morning when you brush your teeth, which you're already doing, then that's better than forgetting. Yeah. Um, and so, I, I was doing that and it was fine every morning. I was doing it, and then I said, then I was told to try instead of taking the first thing in the morning, to try taking the last thing at night. Now I still clean my teeth before I go to bed, mm. but I last night I forgot. Did you? I only realised when I woke up this morning. Oh yeah, I forgot to take my tablets. Yeah. Um, and I'd broken one habit, so I hadn't found myself accidentally taking them in the morning. Yeah. But I had found myself forgetting to take them at night. Yeah. Um, and just that change makes things more mindful, but introduces a bit of risk. You see, you mentioned the word habit there. Ha the word habit tends to be, again, with me, in the, when I hear that, I tend to think that habits tend, tend to have a detrimental effect. Or they could be... You're thinking of bad habits bad rather than habits good habits. Bad habits rather than good habits. Yeah. But rituals, I suppose, are more deliberate, whereas habits tend to be more Yes, accidental. I agree with that. I agree with that. Rituals... Not accidental. I think you've gone from conscious application to unconscious application because right. you've done it so much. Right. Okay. But I think you lose a lot of the power from it. Yeah. You've then just got the, the function, the output, yeah. rather than the actual, you know, the anticipation of unwrapping and yeah. smelling and preparing and excitement. I think COVID put a lot of creative rituals for a lot of teams. I can, I can just think of one for now. Um, but I know that one team created, I think it was a, an organisational level, to try and promote this sense of, of keeping in touch with people because you're all mm. at home. They created, and I know a lot of companies did the same thing, they created what I think they called the, the tea at three, which was kind of like a deliberate timed meeting, anyone open Zoom kind mm. of channel, anyone could go in, but they had to have a cup of tea or coffee or whatever 
um, and they had to, they had to, you could talk, but you could only talk about non-work related okay. things. And I think it's still there now. So it's it's been kind of mimicked now because they've gone back into the office. So they still do it. Mm. A lot of people still turn up in the kitchen at that time for chat. That's nice. But it's it's become again it's become a positive mental health kind of um, benefit. Well, there you've just described a a purpose, a meaning. Yeah. yeah. So the daily scrum has a purpose. That has a very different purpose. But as long as the purpose is understood to be beneficial, then we're more likely to stick to it, I think, and, and amplify it. I think. I think rituals are important when it comes to the difficult things. Go on. So, well, so um, I've, I know I've said this before about you know when I go through rehab after my knee injuries and things, I've got to I've got to go through rituals of exercise and rehab and physio and things. But getting into establishing some rituals will help me put those things yeah. and do them. Equally, teams, from an agile perspective, getting into rituals around quality, around discipline, mm-hmm. I think that's quite important. It can feel a bit of a pain, a bit of a chore, mm. but we can almost begin to, maybe it's, maybe it's a bit of a stretch to say we might enjoy them, but you can get some pleasure out of them, yeah. as well as get the benefit of the quality and the discipline. Mm. So the... the um, um, release process you know, or yeah. the, 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 the three amigos or the test practices some, some, something that we can put in place it's a bit ritualistic there's, there's all of the, maybe a little bit of ceremony around it yeah. uh, but it serves a purpose it's interesting so I'm going from that thread I'm pulling on now in terms of the idea of trying to make I think we did some work on this ages ago Jeff in some of the you know, the early advanced courses we did before they were yeah. certified advanced. We used to do stuff around trying to reward menial work in a more in a more meaningful way. Okay. So, but the idea of you know, creating something within your team that, that kind of almost over-exacerbates or over-amplifies something which could be quite perceived as quite dull into mm. something a bit more interesting. Mm-hmm. So again, another example. The t- again, the team that I, uh, uh, the teams that I work with, quite quite often, uh, based in Bath, and they, they created the, the th- a theme, a poster, for their um, sprint reviews. Okay. So to try and take some of the monotony out of that demonstration meeting, mm. they would theme each of their um, sprint reviews based around a different thing, like a circus theme or a, a movie-related theme or mm-hmm. something like that, and everything. And it became a bit of a um, something exciting yeah. to make the, the whole thing a bit more enjoyable mm-hmm. to be part of. I suppose that could be perceived as a, as a, as a theming or as a, as a kind of a ritual, but it, it made something which can be quite dull a bit more exciting and mm-hmm. a bit more interesting mm-hmm. because there's a lot of dull stuff. Planning meetings can be fairly dull, Jeff. They, they can. And the more you do something, that's, that's, the, that's the sweet spot for agility, I think, is, is getting the, the habits without it becoming monotonous. Yeah. Because you're going to be doing planning more yeah. frequently, more often, and there's, there's an element of comfort and security to the fact that, you know, every second Tuesday we're going to be in a retrospective. Yeah. But if it becomes monotonous, we become to dread it. So the ritual is useful, but having some variety in the ritual, I mm. think, is also important. 
but also make, like I say, making it unique to your team. I think is a because this is just our thing, almost like a private joke, an in joke. This is this is something that we do. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Our own ritual, making it our own. I think yeah, you're on you're onto something there. That's that's really important. Do does this change though when team members change? Mm. Can you can you become part of a ritual? I suppose you can become part of a ritual. You have initiation ceremonies, don't you? Well, again, so this fills me with fear. Because a lot of, and this is what I was going to mention about rituals, some people um, would see the word ritual as quite scary. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, um, with the idea of being socially exposed, maybe, you know, an initiation, welcome to our team, like we're going to sacrifice a goat in front of you now, that type of thing. It's all, yeah. (laughs) But I think the word ritual can have sometimes have a detrimental effect thinking that this is a, a, a weird cult type activity that we have here yeah and I'm and I don't want to be part of that hmm I'm going to I'm going to stick my neck out here go on then and say I think we've gone a little bit soft oh okay what now, me and you we've gone soft or, or oh sort of I mean, the, we the, went the soft shift. a long time ago <laughs> <laughs> I think in general society yeah and there's a lot of good reasons behind it, but uh, so so take what I'm about to say with this with a small amount of salt, listeners. But there's an element of truth to it. Um, so when I look back and I think about rituals, the first thing that comes into my head is some of the some of the Instagram videos that I've seen around professional football teams who, when they a new player joins their squad, for whatever reason, the last couple of years the trend has been that person has to stand up and sing a sing song, song yeah. in front of their teammates. Yeah, yeah. And some of them are obviously quite talented, but most of them aren't. <laughs> are not. <laughs> um, and some of them are quite clever and they pick songs that are quite monotonous. Um, but that sense of embarrassment. Mm. And it's, it's, a, to be a, it's kind of a, you know, we've all done this. Mm. So to be part of us, mm. you need to give something. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think yeah, you, you can't be an individual. You need to come in to our environment and do something everybody else has done. Yeah. And you're then accepted. And this is where I think you know, I'm taking a bit of a gamble because I think that's a good thing mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. It obviously shouldn't be about humiliation. It shouldn't be about um, anything dangerous or um, demeaning or anything mm-hmm. like that. Bit of fun. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think we've lost that. I think the best teams that I've been part of and seen, I think, do have an element of common experience, common subjugation to the team mm. and I'm, that's, I'm, I'm going to get in all sorts of trouble for that I'm sure mm. but uh, I, I do believe it there's an element of they've, that they've they've given something to the t- yeah, they've, we've all given the same thing we've mm-hmm. all, whether it's our um, our time or our, a little bit of our um, embarrassment we've all we've ego all been, yeah, yeah it's dialing down we've my own ego we've exposed a little bit of our vulnerability yeah. to each other yeah yeah, it's, I think I think I think you're. I think I agree. I think it's very. Sometimes it's very hard to, unless you've got a very tight team, a very safe environment. And yeah, I, th- I think. But then you all equally. Yeah, it's difficult because you want diversity in your teams. You want people that do bristle up against you every now and again. Mm. Um, and like. My mate Rob always says, with new team members, he always says, "Hey, we gotta, we gotta knock a few edges off them, but they, we'll get there." Yeah. So they see it as a, as a shaping process mm. that I think new team members have to go through. That um, 
and uh, yeah, it was one of the big, big, I've said it before, but it was one of the main reasons why I didn't play, I didn't go on to play youth rugby at um, academy level when I was at school, it was mainly through fear of the initiation. Because, oh, that's I, a shame. because I didn't drink, like a lot of my friends did at that time, um, I, I put off my, my, well, not my future, but my, yeah. my, my development of rugby. And that's a shame. And because that... of the fear of initiation, which I think it does have a lot of fear for a lot of people. Mm. And the whole drinking culture thing is not something I, I know we're doing a podcast. <laughs> but we're kind of condoning it. Well, but I'm not condoning forcing other people. No. Or, you know. Do everything is done with permission, right? So. But you feel like you have to. And I don't think that's a good thing. No. Um, I was, <laughs> I was, I was speaking at a conference a couple of weeks ago, and I was asked on stage that will I buy? I, no, I wasn't even asked. It was you will buy drinks for the pe- for the people that win this competition, won't you, Jeff? Tonight. Oh, really? So like it was forcibly encouraging a drinking culture, and I mean I couldn't. I could have said no. <laughs> uh, but I didn't feel like I could. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. even though there was permission, they asked me a question. It wasn't really an option. So, yeah, uh, it's a difficult one. The other, the other area I think that ritual comes in, and this is something that, that came in for us actually today. Uh, so we're desi- for, for those of you that are interested, Paul and I are designing a, a coaching course for next year. Breaking news. We're getting the band back together. Um, for one time only. Tricky, but yeah. The tricky second album. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, we're um, talking about how getting into a coaching mindset, so being able to step out of one way of thinking, one way of being, and into another, which is something that a lot of us have to do on a much more regular basis, multiple times a day. Mm. Yeah, whether that be a leader who has to switch from being democratic to being directive to being a coach or what have you. Uh, and it's something that that I found, you mentioned COVID, I found a lot, I had to come up with different strategies for this during the pandemic when I was in my shed a lot of the time. Yeah. And I found through reflection and supervision, quite a few of my coaching sessions, I wasn't as present as I used to be. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to work out why that works. And I was going from different meetings to coaching sessions without any ritual or break. Mm. So there was no crossing the threshold. There was no putting on a different hat. Or I was just literally in the same seat looking at the same screen, but without breaking that up. So I established a new ritual of before each coaching session, I would take one lap around the garden. Yeah. And, and then I was, okay, now I'm in coaching mode. So having some kind of ritual to get you into a different frame of mind, a different thought process, yeah. can be really powerful as well. It could be just as simple as that. And I still know a lot of people now that have w- worked from home for, for years, this is COVID and beyond, and still put on a shirt and tie yep. uh, in their home office. Because that, that's a ritual that they feel like. And this is, yeah, I've struggled massively sometimes with separating the work and, and the, the home environment because my office is my home. So... I tend to, I think even when now without thinking about it now, what I tend to do is I tend to walk out to get my lunch at lunchtime, which again is, is largely unnecessary, but may, I think it makes me feel like I'm at work in a weird way. Um, Physically unnecessary, but mentally but necessary. Mentally, yeah, exactly, yeah. And I think that there's, there's a difference. And so we don't need to have the ritual of a daily scrum. People say, well, why don't I, I don't need to do that. Yeah. 
So, but are you actually getting the benefits from going through those motions? It might feel forced, mm. but it's almost a necessary forcing. Mm. And I think, yeah, <coughs> I think, and we're seeing it more and more. We, again, we were talking about this earlier, but it's linking one one um, podcast to maybe another. We shouldn't un- unbox here, but with trying to encourage people back into the office, that you do, like you say, you cross that threshold, and then you you once you you're in that office environment, wherever that office is, whatever situation you're in. But if you if you enter into that team environment, I think you you naturally, perhaps even subconsciously, you, end, you, you put yourself in a different frame of mind because now, now I'm, in, I'm in this team now. It's the same reason that when I crossed the white line when I played rugby, is mm. that when you step onto the pitch, you're in a game environment. Mm. Sure, it must be the same with an office, that you walk, you cross the, through the doors, through the doors of, of wherever you work. And then, okay, and now I'm being paid to be, to be here, to be present, to be, to be part of this team. Mm-hmm. And they need, this team needs me now for this eight hours. Game face on. Exactly. And, and I think there is an element of that that I, I, I certainly massively miss from working at home because I don't, you don't get that. You, you can't recreate that for me yeah. at home. You can't recreate, and that's why I'm still not a massive fan of remote training because you can't create that kind of teaching environment in a virtual space as well as walking into the same room together mm. for me personally. Yeah. Maybe if we were all using these Quest headsets and everything else was sensory deprived and we feel like we were there maybe we'd get there but well yeah you did hypothesize that in in previous podcasts there is a psychological thing to it about crossing that white line crossing the threshold moving from one space to another does does change which is why often you forget where your keys are when you move into a different room because your body your mind's almost reset Mm. It's a, so there's an individual culture aspect, there's a team culture aspect to ritual, there's, there's an organisational, I think culture really is just a set of rituals that we have, shared rituals that we have, stories that yeah. we tell. And you know, if we're looking for any kind of cultural change, whether you call it a transformation, a, a transition, a change, anything, we're looking to move from one state to another, then some of the rituals that served us in the past, we probably need to, to lose, and we probably need to establish new rituals to help us create this new culture, this new way of working, this new way of being, this new way that things we do things around here. And a lot of the, the what people would perceive as agile rituals are actually things that would have happened in previous ways of working, usually when there's a crisis. Yeah. So you'd normally co- co-locate, you'd be forced to co-locate in projects in BT when there was a crisis. So when, Red when, team thinking. Exactly. So you do those things that we perceive as uh, in the past that we perceived as um, crisis management but they're, they're just now they're trying to reform them into more positive rituals mm. that's what that's how I look at it yeah I mean story storytelling itself is, is kind of a ritual isn't it the narrative we've, we've spent quite a bit of time on that in the past but you know ritualistically explaining concepts in a way that we've had embedded into us over thousands of years of evolution yeah. the narrative is something that we come to expect and accept as a, as a, as a communication medium mm, absolutely <clears throat> no, big fan of that big fan of that not sure whether um, whether we can encourage this but when, when I think of team based rituals one that one that comes to mind 
Actually, it appeared... Oh, this could be a nice link. Ooh, 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 this could be a nice link. But this actually appeared in a video of one of our previous Christmas songs. Did it? Yeah. Oh, so, it was a photo. Was it one no, of the photos? No, so we asked teams to send in yeah, little videos. And things. Oh, videos. And, and there was one team that, that showed them burning, uh, setting fire to bits of paper. Oh, right, bits. okay. And... And if anybody's seen the episode of Friends where you know they they burn photos and things of previous boyfriends and right, things to, okay. to so that that ritual of setting fire to something unpleasant yes. and you see it just vaporizing okay. essentially. And so I've seen teams that you know have had an argument in the past, they want to get past it. They all write down their you know, either the argument itself or you know the episode titled the one with this or yeah. the sprint where this happened or. Yeah, so and so annoyed me. Write it down on a piece of paper, set fire to it, and and, and stick it into this flame-proof health and safety in, in an office. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, quite I often, say, all sorts of red quite red. often outside. Okay, right. Okay. Um, <laughs> to avoid the sprinklers going. Off. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, that 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 ritual of, of doing that. And no, I think that's yeah. Again, a good thing. It's it's something that is in some way symbolic. Symbolic, yeah, as it says, and it, has it a means meaning. something, yeah, yeah, and it's something that means something to us, yeah. I think I think you're right. So yeah, I so said there might be a link, um, because, well, one of our rituals, traditions, <laughs> rituals, traditions, uh, is the Christmas song, and we haven't done one this year. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure how many we've done in a row. We should probably know. Is it four now? Five? I don't know. But we, I feel like we we started a movement on that, didn't we? We were the first, we were the the trailblazers in that yeah. in the agile agile uh, related Christmas song market um, others have gone there but you know they've never really reached the dizzy heights that do they do they think it's agile God's got to um, the, uh, that, was, that was our first big hit wasn't it yeah. um, but no we've yeah it's just calendars timings and um, and just it hasn't happened this year so for that we apologise and um, but I- the good news, I, d- I did come prepared. Okay. Uh, I got a little Christmas poem. Have you? It's not a song. Okay. But it'll do. Okay. Maybe. Lovely. That's a bit of a an Easter egg for our listeners. Yeah. Let's, should let's we? Say, maybe. We, yeah. Yeah. Should we, do you want to? Should we? Yeah. Should we read it out? Let's so let's um let's share it and and, well, and it's a good time just to just to thank people we um for uh, for for if you are if you are still listening after. A, all these years and to, to thank you uh, very much for continuing to stick with us and mm. support us and um, yeah we hope, hope we'll have a very happy Christmas and a, a peaceful new year and mm. we'll, we will be back in 2024 won't mm-hmm. we Jim? Yeah. we'll be back for some more go on then let's, um, let's read you our Christmas poem to, to our listeners well, I'll, I'll have to show it you first so we'll, we'll pause this you won't notice any difference listeners but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll cheers cheers mate nice to see you An Agile Christmas Transformation T'was a month before Christmas, in the office so bright, where an Agile Transformation caused quite the sight. The teams were all scattered, not a stand-up in place, and the workload was growing at an ungodly pace. Then along came a coach with a twinkle in his eye, saying, let's fix this mess and give Agile a try. We'll start with the basics, keep it simple and lean. 
Forget safe and the rest. Too complex, obscene. We need collaboration, not just tasks in a row. And let's limit whip, let the value stream flow. Daily stand-ups to sync, but let's keep them quite brief. Or we'll stand here till New Year's, much to everyone's grief. The product owner chuckled, with a mince pie in hand. Our roadmap's like Santa's, way too bloated and bland. Let's sort our vision with a goal simple and clear. Let's focus some value right now, right here. The developers gathered with screens glowing bright and joked, remember when our sprints lasted past midnight? We've refactored our code and debugged every line. Now our naughty and nice list looks simply divine. With the Scrum Master's help, the team found their way. Embracing the change, they adapted each day. They learned and they grew with every sprint review, becoming more agile, and their confidence flew. As Christmas drew near, the team looked back with pride at their transformation journey and the bumps they survived. With their board now a beacon of tasks clear and done, they celebrated their wins, full of cheer and fun. May your sprints be merry, your retrospectives bright. Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night.